podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Man United still unbeaten in the Premier League. A 1-0 hard-fought victory against Southampton, as Jose Mourinho dubbed it. Not the prettiest of games, shall we say, Jack, but continues an eight-game unbeaten run. And I saw Arthur Alberston on MUTV after saying it could be three of the most vital points of the season. That kind of away trip to a fairly decent Premier League side, although Southampton aren't in the best kind of form, and managing to get three points. Definitely... It was one of those games where you turn up, um, don't play well, but you escape the three points and ultimately that's that's the main thing. That's really all that matters. Um, Yeah, definitely our worst performance of the season so far. Uh, Sorry, apologies my voice again. I've managed to recover from my bad voice in the last episode and then got a new bout of bad voice now. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it definitely was our worst performance of the season so far. But ultimately, I think it's good that we ended up coming out with the win. And in, if we are going to uh, mount a serious title challenge this season, then those are the kind of games you have to grind out. You have to get those wins when, even when you're not playing well. People say every single year that is kind of the hallmark of champions, to be able to still win games, still pick up points, even when you're not hitting top form. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was a somewhat frustrating performance in, in some ways because we weren't good. It's probably a maximum of 15 minutes where we really just held on to the ball at all and, and actually did anything. It wasn't just holding on for the last 10 minutes against Southampton. It was literally holding on for the majority of the game. Um, obviously, Romelu Lukaku can continuing in his um, incredible start to, to life at United. Um, eight games, eight goals in eight games. Um, and after he, he scored in the, I think it was the 20th minute. And after that, it was sort of backs against the wall for 60-70 minutes, bringing on Chris Smalling for Mkhitaryan, bringing on Blind for Marcus Rashford. A bit frustrating, yeah. Um, but And we haven't really seen those defensive subs from Mourinho this season. We saw quite a few times last season. Um, but we haven't seen that so far this season. I think a few United fans were a bit, a bit miffed at that, but probably the right decision. Yeah, ultimately, I think it was the right decision by, by Mourinho to make those substitutions. I, I think... One reason why I wasn't quite as annoyed about them as I was about some last season was, firstly, firstly we still weren't creating any chances with those players on the pitch and we still weren't creating uh, controlling the game. And so why leave them on the pitch if they're not doing that and, and we have players on the bench who are better suited to help us see out the game? But more importantly, is it was a response to Southampton um, switching to two up front. They brought on Gabby Adini to partner Shane Long up front. And it was in response to that, I think Mourinho kind of realised that he didn't want two against two, uh, like two centre-backs against the two forwards. And so he kind of uh, brought on an extra centre-back to try and shore that up. And, it, and ultimately, I think it was the right decision. It was clearly an off day for us where, in, in an attacking sense, we weren't able to control the game. Um, and so I think in the end, it was the right decision, even though the, the general point of having to hold on to a game against Southampton is not, not an ideal situation by any means. No, absolutely not. But we, we've, sh- we've shown what we can do on an on day. We can beat teams 4-0. Um, Swansea, West Ham, Everton. Um, and then 4-1 against Burton. We've beaten Basel 3-0. We, we know what we can do on an on day. I guess this was... I mean, for, for a manager like Mourinho, who it seems to me often likes to know to know how bad his teams can be, 
I think he'll take this win as a as a massive positive, knowing that when we're far from our best and probably not not our worst, but we're we're on that side of the of the scale towards our worst rather than towards our best, that when we're at that kind of performance levels, we can still come away from St Mary's, a place where um, admittedly we've we've struggled in past seasons. Um, we can come away from there with three points. And I think Mourinho will be really pleased with that. Yeah, I, the the performance isn't kind of something that I think anyone or Mourinho will be particularly pleased with. But I think what he will be pleased with, A, obviously we saw the game out. But B, we did seem to, to fight hard and battle very hard in the game. I mean, Southampton maybe had one or two clear-cut chances. Um, you know, they came close a few times, but it wasn't wasn't really too much that was wasn't anything carving us open or, any, or anything like that. Um, I think what would worry Mourinho more would just be the fact that we weren't able to control possession and weren't able to keep the ball when we did win it back. But ultimately, Mourinho is a very pragmatic manager. He does he does make substitutions. He does play tactically to simply grind out wins. And if that means going into a more defensive system and sticking out a 1-0 win, he will do that. And I think the fact that we were able to, to do that will, will really please Mourinho. Yeah. Um, I mean, we came out with a win with, I've just checked, 39.4% possession. Um, less shots, less passes, every, less basically everything, unless you're doing defensive stuff like tackles and, and clearances. Ashley Young came out after the game and said it's not the kind of performance you expect from Man United, but it's one that's going to have to be done on a, on a few occasions in the season. Um, and there's always, every time, I remember under Van Gaal and under Moyes and Mourinho last season, there was always this myth. It was like, oh, Fergie, you never had these games under Fergie. It's like, well, I mean, we did. Let's be honest, we had some games where we really just sat back, defended for our lives and managed to come away with three points, maybe got maybe an extra goal in the last minute as a little sweetener. But we had games like this all the time under Fergie. It's how you win. No no team's ever won a title without having those games. Um, and it comes in the in the middle of a very, very busy period. I think we have, I think it's seven games in September. We've just played on a Wednesday night against Burton. The week before we've played against Everton. Now we've got CSK Moscow away. In the Champions League, it's a it's a busy period, which is what you want, but it it shows it shows what the the this squad can do. And you mentioned about um, the players fighting hard. I think when you're sitting there on your sofa um, watching and uh, you're a bit frustrated at how we can't keep the ball, etc., um, you don't really realise how much effort they're putting in just to keep it at one nil. And I and you saw it at the end. Lukaku was punching the air, smashing on the floor. Um, and and Young came out, Jones came out after, all saying how, like, look, we we fought really hard for that win. So um, let let's really value the points, and we do really value the points because we're still level with Manchester City. Um, I think we're behind four goals on goal difference, or or something similar to that, and we are in the the very much in the leading pack for the for the Premier League title after um six games, and. There's still a while to go before you can say, yeah, they'll definitely be there at the end of the season. But um, as a start, five wins out of six, even if one of them's a bit scrappy, that's fine. We can accept that if we've if we've won three of our games four nil already. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we couldn't really have asked for a better start. I mean, I think this is our best start since 2011, 2012. I think I read yesterday, um, and with the exception of the Stoke game, and I mean, a draw at Stoke away is never an awful result considering their record against some of the bigger teams but five wins out of six um three of those wins being exceptional performances um 
you know, a couple of not so great performances in there, especially Southampton, but yeah, a very, very positive start. And I think, you know, you were saying about the players' reactions after the game and people that have played football before, I think, I think will kind of understand that reaction because in some ways, wins like that, when you know that you don't play well, but you still manage to grind out a win, are almost the most satisfying as a player because you do have to play in a different kind of way. You have to battle hard. You have to fight hard. And it's not so much about wonderful swashbuckling attacking football it's about batting down the hatches and you get you make sure you're first to every single ball um and you make sure you're flying into every single one of your tackles and all the time and just defending for your life and defending for each other as well it's the kind of the kind of win that can a bring the team together but i think also go a long way to making the team realize that hey even if we're not at our best we're still good enough to win games in this league yeah it's a big it's a big um motivational thing of of managing to come away from a game like that um, with a win. And, I mean, Mourinho, his rhetoric, as we can probably call it, given that it is, I mean, generally Mourinho, you know it's what he says has been rather thought out so that he can control the, the, the back pages. His thing was, well, three points from a from a 1-0 win is exactly the same from, from a 4-0 win. And if that came last season when we weren't winning 4-0, he'd probably be quite annoyed by that because he'd be thinking, oh, he's not playing the United the United way, but when it's come after we've won three three games 4-0 and, and scored two or more in almost all of our games except the Super Cup and uh, this game at Southampton, you go, well, yeah, fair play. On to specific players, Phil Jones hailed as immense by Man United fans after the game. I mean, aside from the Stoke game where he had a little, little bit of a mare from, from set pieces, fantastic starts of the season for Phil Jones. And if, and it's always the if with, with Jones, it's been, been far too many times during his United career, if he can stay injury-free, he's, he's quickly cementing himself as, as Man United's first-choice centre-back alongside Eric Bailly. And it, it's a great partnership, but we, we kind of knew Eric Bailly was, had settled and done very well, but Jones is really, it's really shocking everyone. Yeah, Phil Jones' start to the season has been A, exceptional, and, and B, kind of shocking, really. Um him and Eric Bailly have formed a, a a wonderful partnership, but B individually, I think they're both just incredible athletes as well. Phil Jones always had this very underrated actually turn of pace, um, and he's extremely strong. And Eric Bailly is just wonderful. He continues to be one of the best signings that we've made in recent years. I absolutely love Eric Bailly. Um, but yeah, Phil Jones yesterday was absolutely incredible. Um, one of the best performances I can remember from him in a United shirt, and I think. We're now starting to see the best of Phil Jones. He's touch wood, um, as I'm saying this, hasn't managed uh, has managed not to have any injuries so far this season, and really that's that's what's held Phil Jones back his whole career. We've very very rarely seen him playing at a full fitness level for a run of games, either because at the start of his United career he couldn't get in the team past Ferdinand and Vidic, and then now or later in his United career when injuries plagued him all the time. Um, and I think we can now really start to see the true Phil Jones and especially playing in a, in a settled defensive partner, uh, partnership with Bailly with a fantastic goalkeeper behind them. They had the confidence to really impose themselves on attackers. And like I said, despite kind of being under the cosh for a lot of the game, especially the second half, Southampton really didn't create that many clear-cut chances. I mean, we had the Fellaini clearance off the line, but that came from a corner. And then I guess the Romeu uh, cross comes shot they went a few inches wide, um, but apart from that, they managed to kind of stave off any real clear-cut chances for, that, for Southampton throughout the game. So 
credit to the two of them, uh, but especially Phil Jones. It was a fantastic performance. And I'm really excited to see, A, that hopefully he can stay fit, and B, see where he can take his games because he's already playing at a great level. And let's see if he can raise it any further now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, onto the left-back situation. The the back four against Southampton looked was one of the most solid back fours we've had for, for quite a while. Um, Jones and Bailly doing excellently, as you say. Antonio Valencia doing his job as usual, uh, Mr. Consistent and Mr. Reliable, and ever more frequently the Man United captain on, on match days, although Carrick's club captain. Um, but on the left is where is where we've really struggled, and Ashley Young is, is providing some answers to our struggles, um, which is a bit of a surprise. Came back uh, from injury, played right back, and then has now, I think it's three games consecutively at left back, and Marino came out after and said, um, well, this is this is what we've been missing. Um, an attacking left back who can do the same as Valencia does at right back is really adds another dimension to the side. And we wanted Luke Shaw to provide that. I still think he will when he when he eventually comes back to full fitness and and really starts performing again if he can do that. But Young is Ashley Young is is doing brilliantly. And I saw a great tweet. Um, I can't remember who it was from. A great tweet that said. Ashley Young and um, Antonio Valencia were signed to replace basically Cristiano Ronaldo and have ended up sort of making making Patrice Evra and Gary Neville proud, um, <laughs> which is which is strange, but true. But yeah, Young doing fantastically. We'll talk about Shaw in a second, but just on, on Young, um, really impressive in, in his three games at left back so far. I think what Ashley Young brings us that none of the other left backs that we have offer is some real quality in the final third throughout his career even at times when he's been absolutely hated and ridiculed by United fans and and rightly so at times because he has been quite poor for a lot of his career at United but he has always had exceptional quality in the final third especially when, uh, when crossing the ball into the box he doesn't always get it right but you always know that he is capable and we saw it again yesterday um I get for the goal the cross to Lukaku was absolutely perfect and it's something that Young has had throughout his career and it doesn't seem to have eluded him at all. His defensive game, he's, he's not the, the most uh, accomplished defender that you've ever seen. But, I mean, fullbacks now in current football, uh, like the current football climate, aren't ever really the, the best defenders. I mean, Azpilicueta is really the only exception to that. And even though he might not be the best defender I've, I've ever seen, he's definitely solid enough. And I think what's crucial and why so many managers have stuck with Ashley Young for the last, well, since Ferguson retired, is that he does a job for the team and he will do whatever a coach tells him to do. Um, you know, we mentioned this this in the last episode. You only have to look at the amount of positions that he's played in the last five years to see how, A, how flexible he is and B, how willing he is to put in a job for the team, no matter no matter what job, what job, what the job is. I, I'm pretty sure he would replace De Gea if he was asked to, if it meant, if it meant he could help the team somehow. Uh, but I think that's what I really admire for Ashley. Admire Ashley Young for that, and it's something that we shouldn't take for granted when we think about him as a United player. Yeah, I mean, sometimes he's coming to the team and and not being able to do the job. But I mean, if we if we really look back, he has been ridiculously reliable playing in all those positions, and as as you say, just continually adapted to to what the managers have wanted him to do. Um, and yeah, it's that it's that crossing ability that we saw when he. <clears throat> assisted um, Lukaku when he came back into the side that you don't really get I mean you don't really get you don't, you don't get at all with Daily Blind and you you most certainly don't get with Matteo Damian Luke Shaw has had a tough time um, comes back from a, a, 
a double leg break. He's given some tough love with Mourinho. We'll see whether that's the, the right man management technique. It's worked with Martial and it's worked with Mkhitaryan. And then Shaw goes, goes and gets injured again just as he's coming back. And now he's coming back for the third or fourth time in his Man United career. He's still only 21 or 22. And he's he's sort of gone from his first season, he didn't really work hard enough. He admitted that. Second one, he works really hard, played fantastically, and then obviously got that leg break. Um, and it's about whether he has the right attitude, I think. And Mourinho has... has been proved wrong by Martial and has publicly said look he's he's now showing me the right attitude and that's why he's playing better and that's why he's been playing in the team um, and Shaw really needs to follow suit with that um, he came back against Burton what do you think of his performance then I thought he was solid enough um, without making any major mistakes but also without grabbing any major headlines uh, I don't think he will dislodge Ashley, Ashley Young with that performance but it was a it was a positive first step. Um, I mean, honestly, just not just not getting injured was a a positive first step in some ways um, for Ashley Young. Uh, sorry for Luke Shaw coming back. Yeah, I, I thought he was unspectacular, but didn't do anything particularly wrong. I thought he still looked a little bit rusty, but that's to be expected with so much time off. But I do hope that Mourinho's man management will work for sure in the way that it has done with a, with a few others because. He is still a very talented player and we saw what he could do before he had that awful injury um, against PSV. So hopefully he can come back and and kind of get back to those heights because we need a left back. Um, You know, as well as Ashley Young has done, he's not a long-term answer at all. Luke Shaw, I still think, has the talent and the potential to hold down that spot and make it his own. So I really hope that he continues to work hard, stay injury-free and that Mourinho can work with him, find a way to get him back into the team and firing on all cylinders again. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that Mourinho hasn't really shown any faith in him because he's not being played much and he's come back from injuries, only got 45 minutes against Burton. But United deliberately didn't sign a left-back in the summer because, or not just in the summer, didn't sign a left-back in the summer, didn't sign one back in January, just because they wanted to give Luke Shaw a chance. Um, and partly, apparently, because Edward would work so hard on the Shaw transfer that he really wants it to, to come off. But in that way, Mourinho and United have shown him faith. And it's about him repaying that faith with, with the good performances we expect. Because the the month and a half or so before he got injured against PSV under Van Gaal, he was the best Man United player we had and was playing as one of the best left-backs in the world at 20 or 19 years old. He, he he could be one of the best left-backs in the world. It's just whether he gets that chance at United and whether he has the right attitude to do it. Um, I, I don't think he deserves to come straight back in if he's not performing in training, but the only time it makes me wonder how how much he can be doing wrong is when Damian and, and Blind are getting played ahead of him. Because actually, I can understand because obviously he's impressed, but Blind offers so little going forward and quite a lot of the time makes positional mistakes going back and the same could be said for Darman who's had a couple of really really solid performances but then a couple of absolute clangers as well when he's being picked over Shaw so that's what makes me sort of wonder what Shaw really is doing to not be given the chances by by Mourinho but let's hope he can he can come out of it um, and end up as United's first choice left back in in a few weeks the Romelu Lukaku chant United released a statement um, saying stop singing it we're going to get you on CCTV and find out who was singing it. I mean, firstly, do you think it's racist? Uh, I think that it's definitely potentially racist. 
I can see how it can be construed that way. Um, and it does kind of push that boundary a little bit too far. Yeah. If it's any, if it's anything good, it's tongue in cheek humor. And it's, I don't think, I mean, it's, it, it, I think it is racist. Um, and I can particularly after Lukaku's asked the fans to stop singing it. Basically, United fans went, oh, Lukaku loves it, so we'll sing it anyway, even though people are telling us not to. And then Lukaku comes out, says, stop singing my song. And they go, oh, no, the club's just told him to say that. So we'll sing it anyway. And that seems just, I mean, like, come on. It, it it's, not, it's not good enough a song to sing it, despite the players asking you not to do it. And you look at Chelsea and Morata. Um, Morata asked the Chelsea fans to stop singing the song about him, which included the word yid. And they did so straight away. And if we're getting, I saw um, Scott from Republic of Mancunia say, um, if we're getting outdone by Chelsea fans on being racially sensitive, then we're we're clearly not doing a good job as, as a United support or fan base. Um, I, I guess the only annoying thing is that United has sort of come out after the game and just said, yeah, we're looking at CCTV. Not, thank you for your fantastic support, but can you stop seeing this? It's sort of a... A, it, it sort of distance them, themselves from the away fans who are the the centre of the club support. I think that's the only annoying bit. But there was, a, I mean, for people who disagree and say it's not racist, the the best thing I read was from uh, Marina Hyde in the Guardian, who said, uh, "I'll read out one of the paragraphs from our article on it, and I'll tweet it out." She said, hang on, before we continue, I should stress not all Manchester United fans, an unquantified minority of Manchester United fans, a minority who have almost without doubt completely lost their shit in the past if anyone tried to stereotype them in some way, as troublemakers say, or people who live in Surrey. Yes, it's a particular irony that those voicing distaste about the Lukaku chant are now being accused of oversensitivity by a certain strand of quick-to-temper football fans who absolutely cannot stand to be generalised about themselves in any way. I mean, they really wet their pants about it. Which I thought, I mean, that changed, that genuinely changed my opinion a bit and made me feel a bit more strongly about it. But we can, I mean, United fans come up with some, we have the best chance in the league without a doubt and the most inventive. I'm sure we can come up with um, something else to support Lukaku who's had a fantastic start. But um, moving on very, very quickly to the Burton game through to the, through to the League Cup fourth round. Is it? Yeah, League Cup fourth round where we'll play Swansea away and beating Burton in fairly comfortable style. It could have, I mean, after the first half performance, you thought this could be this could be a six or seven nil route, but we just didn't really go for it in the second half at all. Yeah, I, I mean, in some ways I was quite disappointed with that, honestly. So it would have been nice to see how many goals we could have scored. Um, but yeah, the first half yeah. was great. Um, and, you know, we'll, Marcus Rashford, again, just proving what he can do when he plays through the middle. Been a fantastic start to the season for him. Unfortunately, because of the Lukaku signing, probably won't get that many opportunities to play through the middle, certainly not on his own anyway. But it was a timely reminder of what he is capable of and why we all fell in love with him when he first came into the team as well. Obviously, we've seen him play on the left-hand side for the last year and a half now, I guess. But it's easy to forget that when he first burst onto the scene, he was our main striker and, and he came on and he did it absolutely brilliantly. So I was very pleased for him. Um, brilliant performance against Burton. Obviously, I mean, didn't offer much going forward. As soon as we got the early goal, it was pretty much game over. Um, but it was a, a nice nice performance um, and nice to see us kind of dispatch of a smaller team in a very comfortable fashion, which hasn't always been the case. 
Yeah, definitely. We've we've struggled with that over. I mean, Van Hal going out to Middlesbrough on penalties was a particular um, sore point. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the last time we played Burton, we drew nil nil and had to have a replay in the FA yeah. Cup. That was back in oh, I don't know when it was over ten years ago. Yeah, probably now. More, more than that, I think 12, 12 years, which is a bit strange. Yeah, really nice to sort of just comfortably see off a team, and I think had we. I think had we not been in the in the midst of a very busy September, I think Mourinho probably would have gone for it a bit more. But um, I think he sort of thought, well, let's rest ourselves a bit and just keep it at a nice 4-0. Um, a bit annoyed not to get another 4-0 by allowing them to score a goal. <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll take it. Um, our goal scoring form is, is probably ridiculous. And Marcus Rashford, his, I think it was it, no, it was his second goal, wasn't it? That was a the really fantastic finishing off the post, and he is, I mean, what a player! Him and him and Martial playing together was very, very nice to watch. And people thought we never see that under Marino, but we finally did, and it and it was good to watch. It's been a very busy time for Manchester United youth sides recently. The under 23s have had a miserable start to the season, lying far too near the bottom of the table after a 2 1 defeat to Derby County on Friday night. Ricky Sprague has had a tough start to life as under 23s boss, and things must improve soon given the quality in this under 23s side. DJ Buffonge equalised for United after Jason Shackle headed Derby in front after 56 minutes. Buffonge equalising two minutes later with a with his first goal at this level for United. But Ofrande Zanzala scored the winner for Derby with 18 minutes remaining. United now, I think, in eighth place in Premier League 2. The under-18s, meanwhile, drew 1-1 with Newcastle United. Arnaud Puigmal, the midfielder signed from Espanyol in the summer, scored on his debut for Man United after getting international clearance with a wonderful free kick. But Jack Long equalised for the visitors at the cliff soon after. Angel Gomez, Leo Connor, and Aidan Barlow, I think, were rested with an away trip to CSK Moscow in the UEFA Youth League coming up. Gomez was in attendance at the cliff with a few others, though, despite not playing. In low news, Dean Henderson was in action for Shrewsbury Town against Blackburn Rovers in a 1-1 draw. Sam Johnston continued his good form for Aston Villa against Forest in a 2-1 win. Regan Poole has begun getting more game time for Northampton Town, starting on Saturday in a 1-0 loss against Bradford City for Jimmy Floyd's Hasselbank's high-flying Cobblers. And Matty Willock played for FC Utrecht against Ajax Amateurs and played well. And Timothy Fossimetsa started for Palace in their 5-0 drubbing at the hands of Man City playing in midfield. Right, back to the Champions League. It will be just as just as nice as it was against Basel to hear the Champions League music again. Don't think I'm going to grow, grow tired of hearing it for, for quite a few seasons yet. Just being back is nice. CSK Moscow on Wednesday, away. Nice that we played on a Saturday against Southampton and at 3 o'clock. Gives us a bit of rest before we go to, to CSK and travel the pretty far distance one of the worst teams you can get in your group stage in terms of going away um but pretty confident going into this it should be it's all in fact not it should be it's always a pretty gritty game against any of the moscow sides basically any of the russian sides but we're in very good form and we've shown that we can sort of grit out a result against southampton yeah it was never easy traveling to russia um as you said always ends up being quite a gritty game probably quite scrappy um yeah, I'm not expecting a great spectacle, if I'm honest. Expecting quite a hard-fought game. Hopefully we can play a little bit better than we did against Southampton. Um, hopefully it's not that uh, that tough to hold on to the win. But yeah, it's definitely not going to be an easy game. Uh, I mean, even just the travelling involved with getting to Moscow makes it more difficult as well. My prediction would probably probably be a one-all uh, one draw. One-all draw, yeah. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go a bit more positive. Go with a two-one win. It must have been the group stage 2015, that terrible Champions League campaign where we got knocked out by uh, losing to Wolfsburg like three-two in the in the final game of the group stage. That was one of the really really low points of the Van Gaal era. Um, but the the away game at CSKA, um, Anthony Martial scored a must have been a header sort of a, a shoulder height from about. 13 14 yards out and it came in off the post and i just remember being so shocked by this young striker who we'd seen his brilliant dribbling ability and finishing ability suddenly just pulling this world-class header out um and so i think that that's making me a bit more positive going into the game but i'll go 2-1 be very optimistic carry on our brilliant start to the season and then we've got crystal palace on saturday another three o'clock game um We'll probably be a bit tired from the Moscow trip, but I mean, Palace are truly woeful and they're without their best player, Timothy Fossumensa. <laughs> so, in fact, they're not just without Fossumensa, who I was joking about, but genuinely could be their best player um, given the, the terrible performances the rest of them have put in. But they could also be without Christian Benteke. I, mean, I think almost definitely are without Christian Benteke. So, I mean, we're looking at a nice, big, big win here against Palace. I, someone, I was talking to someone, they said, yeah, we could be seeing a, an Ipswich Town scoreline, a 9-0. I don't think we quite will, but it would be very nice if we could go the extra the extra goal rather than 4-0, if we could go for 5 or 6-0. But um, it's really hard to say, right? You can never really predict a massive win, can you? Because, I mean, even though Palace are terrible, I remember Aston Villa being really terrible and we managed to draw 1-1 with them and, and win 1-0 thanks to an Adyanazai goal or something a few years ago. So you can never predict a massive win, but we should be absolutely battering Palace. So pencil us in for a 1-0 loss then after <laughs> this. But I mean, yeah, on paper, we should be absolutely battering Palace. Um, I mean, their start to the season has been truly woeful. I think they're the only, the only side in the top five leagues in Europe yet to score a goal, which is awful. It's just such a shocking stat. Uh, um, but yeah like you said this is the Premier League and who knows what could happen um, that Aston Villa side you mentioned were truly terrible and I think and we only got four points off them throughout the season and even three of those points that came I believe it was on Friday night football yeah it was the first it was the first I think it was, it was the, the first, first Friday night Friday night football because there was an EDL march in Birmingham on the Saturday and they didn't yeah. have enough police to cover both of the events. So we, inst- instead of the EDL march, obviously, because that's more important, being moved <laughs> to a Friday, uh, Man United coming to town was moved to a Friday. Yeah, so I, I and yeah, we only just scraped past Villa 1 0 on that occasion. In fact, I sort of deflected Adnan Yanazai goal as well. So yeah, that was, um, yeah, uh, that was when Wayne Rooney put in, I think that was probably his worst, possibly his worst ever performance in a Man United shirt. Yeah, I don't think he was used to the the Friday night football stuff. Probably used to going out on a Friday night. But yeah. there we go. Um, but yeah, let's, we're hoping for a big win against Palace um, and not hoping for a scrappy 1-0 win or even a 1-1 draw like we did in the Van Gaal era against Villa. That's all we have time for on Series 3, Episode 6 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for listening, as always. We'll be back after that Palace game. Um, probably next Sunday or next Monday. Hopefully we will have beaten CSKA Moscow. Carried on our brilliant start to the season. Lukaku's in four, Martial, Rashford. Um, not the best of games against Southampton, but everyone in the squad is playing fantastically and there's a really good balance to the team at the moment and everyone seems to be 
relatively happy. So, I mean, when United are playing well, life is good. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At UTDTAIT. And you can find me at, at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod, P-O-D. Thanks as always for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. Network.